1: done.
0: This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland. I can't think of a better way to spend an evening coming out of this COVID quarantine than watching sports with friends. It's the thing I've missed most about shelter in place, and it definitely feels a little ridiculous to scream at the TV by myself. Luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland has come off with an MVP move. They shut down the entire street next to their normal space and created an enormous outdoor section called the Town Gardens. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating, and their full food and bar service. In short, it's the perfect place to watch the game with friends while staying safe. It's now our go-to spot, and hopefully we'll see you there. In fact, Bram, Marcus, and I plan on being there quite a bit in the coming weeks. So if you show up and we see you in huddle gear, you've got a beer on us. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. What is up, you guys? This
3: is Brian from the future, and I wanted to give you a heads up on this episode before it even started. So this is another one of the huddle road shows. Wes and I hopped on Locker Room, had an amazing discussion, but what that means Is no Marcus, no Maxime, and not the audio quality we have gotten used to. Of course, that will return with the main show next week. Also, we cover the Paul George trade again, some different angles there. But rest assured, right after we get through the uh, playoff piece stuff, we then turn to a whole bunch of brand new topics. So stick with us. Go Warriors! Hopefully we'll see you real soon.
2: We're going to
4: bring you on to our huddle. Wes. Mr. Bram. What's going on? Not much. I already had a couple of beers today because today's my off day. (laughs) So I'm feeling good.
3: I wish you could have shot me a text. I 100% would have joined you in that. Now I just feel kind of left out.
4: (laughs) Well, now I'm drinking uh, a leftover iced coffee uh, from early this morning. So exceptionally less
3: sexy than those first two beverages, but I mean, oh, you know, fair enough.
4: <laughs> um, so we're live, and I wanted to start with a couple of things that have and will upset us. Uh, so those who are listening, thanks so much for joining in on Bram and I's Locker Room. I'm Wes Coldberg, host of Lockdown Warriors, here with Bram Hillsman, the host of the Popular Warriors podcast. Warriors Huddle. Uh, We're going to talk about all sorts of things, Warriors. But like I said, I want to start with a couple of things that have upset us. And the first thing I want to talk about with you is how you felt about Memphis winning game one against Utah. And I understand that the Jazz won pretty easily with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup in game two last night. Uh, But your reaction when Memphis took game one
3: was what? So I'll take it even a step further. I think you know my reaction, but I'll put it into the <laughs> mic. I, I took it super hard. I couldn't even watch that damn game. I was resentful and am resentful that the NBA is continuing. And here's my step further, man. One of the nasty downsides of the Warriors losing to Memphis, although I'm kind of coming out of that now, is it left this like NBA hangover on me. I didn't want to watch any playoffs, and I definitely did not want to watch Memphis. And leading into the game versus Memphis, I was a huge jaw guy. I mean, he was like one of my league pass uh, players. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. how excited he was. I like how he got to the rim. Now I'm pretty sure I'm going to dislike him every time I see him. And so, yeah, his success in Utah bothered me. And that's the type of game that would normally get my attention immediately, you know, an eight over a one seed. But but it hurt me. I mean, how about you, man? You would have been covering them, right? You would have had a shot mm-hmm. to cover, we believe, 2.0. Any bitterness from you? as that series rolling?
4: No, because I generally think that the Warriors were exhausted in that final playing game. And I don't think they become somehow unexhausted or less exhausted <laughs> having to go to Utah. Uh, I actually think that Memphis is a uniquely – challenging matchup for Utah. And I say that thinking that Memphis has already won the only game that they'll win in the series, but I don't think that it'll be, I don't think it'll be as easy as it was for the jazz as it was in game two going forward. I don't think the jazz, I I don't think the jazz will lose again in that series, but I don't think it'll be easy uh, not losing again. So um, no, I, I think, look, Steph Curry is Steph Curry. He could have done something. Draymond Green could have effed things up in a very significant way uh, with some small ball lineups and stuff. But I just think that Utah with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup is just, they're a really good team. And I just, I'm kind of sick of like the disrespect that they get. I think they're legitimately, they have a, a legit chance to go all the way to the finals. I really really and look that sounds like Oh wow like crazy take West The number one seed in the in the West The best record in the NBA but it just feels like Nobody's taking them seriously to come out Of the Western Conference
3: and I think that We should we had Sarah Todd On the huddle a few times Sarah used to be a beat writer here for Golden State and now and spent a Little bit of time in Philadelphia now finds Herself over in Utah and One of the Warriors teams she covered was The 2015 team that, that first championship Team and I was talking to her both on the air and off about how good is this Utah team? Because I'm one of those people, Wes. I don't believe in them. And I kind of like giving Sarah crap the same way I give you crap. So I think the way I phrase it is this jazz team isn't going anywhere. Why am I wrong? And what she said is that this year's jazz team reminds her a ton of the 2015 lawyers, that there's all of these reasons why people should be believing them. But because they haven't actually made the leap yet, We're not going to see any of those things until after they have gone really far, either a title or a Western Conference title uh, or Western Conference finals appearance. Um, And her telling me that, I mean, she's far closer to them. She's watching them on a day-to-day basis. It makes sense to me. Now, that Mm -hmm. said, do I believe in them? No. you know, But but they have already disproved me um, in that one Donovan Mitchell performance. So I guess we'll see where it goes.
4: They're the number one seed. The Lakers are very much still shaken up, and I know Anthony Davis looked better in the game, too, for the Lakers-Phoenix series. Um, But if the Lakers dispatch the Suns, I I still have some questions, and I've been on the Lakers, even with all the injuries. I thought when when LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, they still should be the favorites in the West, and I believe that. I just don't know that they are healthy. You know what I mean? And... (laughs) I don't know at what point they break the glass in the uh, on the Anthony Davis should just start games the five situation because Frank Vogel or Anthony Davis whichever one of those two people seem very reluctant to do that uh, but the Clippers are probably going to get beaten by the Mavericks I don't think the Ma- I think the Mavericks are good good enough to beat the Clippers but I've never been a believer in the Clippers in the first place uh, because I don't think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George just have that in it I don't I don't think they have that in them. Um, and and so okay, you take the Clippers out of the equation. Denver is without Jamal Murray, Phoenix could get beaten by the Lakers, the Lakers are beaten up. Even if Phoenix comes out of that series, Chris Paul is dealing with the shoulder thing that doesn't bode well for him and or the Suns. Why couldn't Utah make like you, you kind of just you, you kind of play the you know, eliminate some of these teams. Sure. Maybe and Utah's healthy now with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup, they're deep. Uh, they have the defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert. They've got guys. They, they're the best three. One of the best three point shooting teams in the NBA. Like, why not? I, I don't think they can't come out of it. But uh, this is I'll not a lock on Jazz podcast. But I'll uh,
3: give you why not, and then tell me why I'm wrong, and then I got to go follow up for the Lakers. But one of the things I love about the NBA, unlike a lot of other sports, is it kind of looks like you got to get there before you can actually win at the level. You got to <laughs> get used to what the Western Conference Finals look like, what the finals look like, I mean, all of that stuff. And the Jazz seem to have the logistical setup. And they've got the talent. They've got a great coach to make it there. But nobody on that team has any real experience. And I can see them cratering under that pressure. Um, But that's a weird thing to say since I just compared them to the 2015 Warriors who had no experience and were still able to pull out the title. Uh, Let me save that by transitioning to a Warriors, Warriors, to a Lakers thing. I agree with you. LeBron looks hurt. But my question is a little bit different. Does Alex Caruso have the most punchable face in the NBA right now? Because I I don't think anybody annoys me as much as he does on like a minute by minute basis.
4: Uh he's definitely up there and the headband situation doesn't help him. It's awful. Uh and uh I don't know if he's got the most punchable face in the NBA. You're thinking but Duncan Robinson not 5 or 6. What?
3: You're thinking Duncan Robinson might be the most punchable guy?
4: No, nobody on the Heat is punchable. Um <laughs> No, it's still Rajon Rondo. Still Rajon Rondo for me. <laughs> but we've we've long established that. Um I want to go to the thing that has that that's being that that's upsetting me lately. And it's just the constant and uninterrupted and never-ending stream of Indiana Pacers related oh. trade ideas <laughs> with the Warriors. Last year, Bram, I had to put a ban, I had to actively ban any comments, questions, hypotheticals thrown at me about the trade exception because I was so sick of it. Because after a few months, I basically had broken down every single player that made $15 million or less in the league and whether or not that player would be a, a, a fit for Golden State. Um, I am at that point now with Pacers trades. I do not want to hear another DeMontas Sabonis, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon related deal. I don't want to hear it. The Pacers are not blowing it up. I don't know how many times I have to freaking say it. The, the Warriors are not getting anybody on it. The, they're not getting any of those players. And they're probably not getting any players on the Pacers. Like, I'm sick of it. Like, the Pacers are not a team that's going to blow it up. And I'm, t- I'm sick of talking about it. Like, they're not a team. They're in Indiana. They, they're in Indianapolis. They don't. They are not afforded the opportunity of tanking their entire mantra, their entire mission statement as an organization is let's get to the first round and then bow it out early so we can get some playoff revenue. And you don't. And and, yeah, if their issue is with their coach, you know what you do? You fire the coach. And after you fire the coach, you know what you don't have to do? Blow up the team. So I don't even understand why people think that DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, or Malcolm Brogdon is getting traded. First of all, Miles Turner might get traded, but not because they're going to blow it up just because it's not a fit with DeMontis Sabonis. And if Miles Turner does get traded, he's not getting traded to Golden State because the Warriors don't have the horses to get it done. And I'm I, I, i I'm, I'm over it, and I don't want to hear it anymore, Bram. And so this, I'm, I'm telling you this, but I'm more speaking to the universe right now. Don't come at me with these Pacers trades. I am officially boycotting them from now and
3: for the rest of history. I don't want to hear it anymore. I can only hope you didn't hear me scratching off the five or six pages of notes I brought into this conversation, all <laughs> detailing possible Indiana Pacer trades, uh, so just is what it is. Instead, I will say I love the passion, and I can tell those two beers from earlier in the day are already shining through, man. Embrace it. I like Dark West. You know, any any topic that Dark West would like to expunge from the record here on forward, I'm, I'm here for it. Also, Shout out to your light. I Miller Lite. think the Warriors <laughs> can land Miles Turner because I've got I've got a lot of ideas I'd like to lay out here for you.
4: What are your other trade ideas? Because I know you wanted to come at me with some James Wiseman stuff.
3: Okay, okay, I got one for you right now, um, and I've got I've got a few, but there's one whose attention um, I want to spend a little bit of time with now. And let me make it a Venn diagram conversation. You brought up the Clippers. I am selfish, Wes. You know that, man. Um, and when it, it comes to basketball watching. I need a team to root for or not root for. I need something. I need a protagonist in the movie I'm watching. Normally, I buy that uh, in a playoff setting when the Warriors aren't there. I'll bet on somebody. This year, I thought about betting on Brooklyn or the Lakers, but it felt like selling my soul. I don't want to root for those guys. So I entered the playoffs with nobody to root for. You know what I'm rooting for now? The Clippers collapse. I'm on board for this. I'm not even rooting (laughs) for Dallas. I want to see the Clippers completely go under. I want a gentleman's sweep or four games. And the reason I want it is because of this trade. I think if the Clips completely fall apart, right, and now they're in a scenario where Kawhi is probably walking, they have no first-round picks, and they need to somehow start over, and they'd be willing to do it. They're not Indiana. I think the Warriors get their attention with a trade involving Wiggins, Wiseman, the Minnesota pick, and they pull back Paul George.
2: I
4: think if Kawhi walks that they only might consider trading Paul George. And the reason I say that is because they gave up so much for Paul George because in essence, when they traded for Paul George, they were also trading for Kawhi Leonard and the price that they traded was commensurate with that kind of return and not just Paul George. Right. Uh, so, even if they were to trade Paul George for the package that you're talking about, as good of a package it, it, that it is, it doesn't come close to what they gave up for Paul George. Now, you could say that there's a sunk cost fallacy related to that kind of logic, and I would agree with that. And maybe Steve Ballmer, being the multi billion dollar businessman that he is, probably understands that and avoids falling into sunk cost traps in general. And I would think that he probably does, given how successful that he is as a business person. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out. And if the Warriors could pull it off, that's certainly a trade. I just don't know that the Clippers, if they were to move on from Paul George, that they would want to enter, let's get some assets back and rebuild. Or if they would try to trade Paul George for maybe more of a blue chip type of player, not to say that James Wiseman isn't, because I still think that he's got a really bright NBA future with his skill set. But he's unproven. And I think that's fair enough to say. So if they were to move on from Paul George, I think that deal would be worth it, you know, as as far as a value is concerned. But I don't know that that's the direction that the Clippers as an organization would want to go in if that makes any sense. Mm
3: It makes sense, and I've got a pitch for the Clippers, but give me the opposite analysis, right? Let's, let's say you're Bob Myers, and for whatever reason, Bomber and the Clippers front office has decided they're willing to explore this. So you get the call. You're now making the decision for the Warriors. Paul George is on the table. Would you say yes?
4: Yeah. 100%. No doubt. It cost me James Wiseman, this Minnesota pick, that's going to land at like 7 or 8 or unprotected next year, which I think the, the Timberwolves, like they're not going to be in the playoffs next year. But they could be in the play-in tournament if it's a thing next season. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Like, Cat is going to be healthy for a full season. Anthony Edwards is legitimately good. Uh, And if anybody listened to this podcast for the last year, they know that I'm not surprised by that. Uh, D'Angelo Russell will be healthy. The rest of that roster is good. Like, that McDaniels guy they they picked, that guy's a legit NBA player. Nas Reed uh, blossomed into a legit rotation guy for them. No, I think I I would 100% pull the trigger on that. Because now you get to have... Steph, Clay, Paul George, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. Yeah, Yeah, that's a contender in the West,
3: and that's really the goal, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's the exact – I mean, what we're trying to do is match up title windows, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. as much as we believe in Wiseman, we know his window doesn't match with Steph's or Draymond's, and Paul George's probably fits right up. The pitch to the Clippers, although this is not the uh, Clippers-related podcast, would be, look – And and this assumes that they've lost in four or five games. Um, And you go to Bomber and say, your future is bankrupt. You have no first round picks. You cannot expect anybody coming in via veterans because you've already established that you are, in fact, the Clippers again. Mm -hmm. If you are banking on Kawhi Stain, you're insane. Nobody knows which way he's going to go. And we know from Indiana. We know from OKC. We know from a lot of places you can't build around Paul George. So good news, Clippers. We're going to give you a future. We're going to give you Wiggins, who's five years younger than Paul George, plays the same position. By the way, we just completely revamped who he is. We're going to give you Wiseman, who's a future, our center for the future, former number two pick, incredible ceiling. But just in case that's not enough, here is a six pick in a loaded draft. So you go from completely fucked next year and foreseeable future to a team that has... You know some bright assets and some reasons to think you can build a route. So I don't know if they say yes immediately and it and it hinges again on a collapse and the mentality that would follow from a collapse. But I know it's got my attention. I mean we, we talk about Wiseman trades and I mentioned this when we spoke last week. And the one part we all agree on is yeah we gotta consider it. We gotta consider it but that second part there's never a name no one who is sexy this is a name i'm i am interested in a possible paul george acquisition
4: with clay thompson back next year paul george would be the blank option on offense for the
3: warriors third hopefully uh, by january 3rd you know uh, i mean by by january of 2022 i was gonna say that's a, specific,
4: that's, yeah, that's a very specific that's
3: a very specific date <laughs> i'm a soothsayer. I'm, I, I I'm, I'm also known as nostradamus so i can tell you exactly when it's going to happen but oh, i see yeah, the fact that i didn't come up with that really bothers me um i actually have a bunch of clay over unders for you but my my interpretation of the medicine is no one is expecting clay to come back in October or November or even December and look anything like clay. So Mm if George joins the team those first few months, he's probably the second option. Right. But then hopefully if clay becomes clay Thompson again, then when our full lineup is out there, he George becomes a souped up version of Wiggins in the offense. You know, he helps us off the bench. Um, When that second unit is there, probably pairs up with Clay in that setting and then hits all the wide-open shots that he's never had in his career that he would have with the Splash Brothers. Uh,
4: I think that's what the Warriors would need because, look, I I think if that proposal was on Bob Myers' table table for a yes or no answer, you have to say yes, but I I would be a little scared, a little nervous to bring in playoff P, and all the negative things that that brings and invokes because that dude sucks in the playoffs every single year. (laughs) And uh, I I think we have a pretty strong pattern and look, maybe he breaks out of that, but as a, even as a first option, he wasn't enough to get over the hump against LeBron and the Miami heat in those big three years when he was leading the Pacers those seasons Uh, as a second option, he wasn't enough in the playoffs. And, and maybe as a third option, if Clay Thompson is back to Clay Thompson by the time the playoffs begin next year, as a third option, he could survive and be a positive contributor. Because as a first option and a second option, I'm not hitching my wagon to playoff P. And I, look, I still think if the cost is James Wiseman, whose window does not fit, a Minnesota pick that is increasingly looking less and less valuable, and uh, Andrew Wiggins, which is basically just a, it's just a straight upgrade, uh, I would still do it but I would be a little hesitant about it and being like, all right, like do we think we can get playoff P to be more of a positive thing than the negative thing that it has been,
3: you know, who has a worse reputation than playoff P and it's a small list. There, there's not a lot of people who you could count on less than playoff P in a playoff setting. A gentleman by the name of Andrew Wiggins, two years ago, <laughs> yeah. everybody gave up on him. Everybody laughed at us when we made the trade. Just wait. They said, Minnesota fan all cautioned us. He's going to show you something and then disappear. And the suggestion was that was going to happen in the regular season when nothing mattered at all. What happened, Wes? Warriors culture. The the things that we are constantly talking about, the championship locker room, turned his ass around. He not only showed up in the regular season. He not only showed up on both sides of the ball. He showed up in these last few games. He was one of the reasons we almost beat L.A., you know, the current championship favorite. So if I'm banking on culture being able to change Wiggins, then bring on playoff P., And in the same way I would imagine Wiggins came in with just an open mentality. You guys are resurrecting my career. If we brought in George, it'd be the same thing. You know, he hasn't had a chance to play with this kind of help. He hasn't had a chance to play with this kind of coaching and it'd be a system that fits him. So, I mean, yeah, of course we can't ignore it. I mean, he's shit the bed many times, but there's not only reasons for optimism. There's evidence for optimism. We turned around Mm -hmm.
0: Wiggins.
4: No, I think that's fair. And, Look, uh, I think uh, Paul—I was going to call him Playoff P, you know—but uh, his name is Paul George. Uh, in Game Two for the Clippers, they lost the Mavericks. He wasn't terrible. I liked how he got to the rim. Um, I just still don't trust him in a large sample size. Yeah, well, there's no reason. Uh,
3: I mean, there's there's nothing out there. If we yeah. were thinking about trusting him, it would be for things that he hasn't done yet, right? I mean, there's not. Right. We don't have any demonstrative evidence. Although he had some moments in indiana um to do you so i i pulled a couple so i am i am so obsessed now with next year um i'm right back at this point of the season where i was last year i'm, I'm finally looking forward to it i can see like a huge upside and one of the things is i put together some over unders for clay's year next year and my problem is man and you can already hear it i'm over optimistic i don't even need two beers in the morning you know i, I wake up thinking like oh the way are i gonna win a championship you have always been better at kind of cautioning that optimism. Do you mind if I run a couple of these by you and see what you think? Let's
4: do it. All
3: right. Um, so let's start here. Minutes starting in January. All right. So that let's assume right. Clay is not Clay for those first few months. That's fine. He had two major leg injuries. Starting January, it's him. I put the over under January third. January third, exactly okay. at at four fifty five p.m. If you'd like to be a little <laughs> bit more specific, but so he, Clay throughout his career um, has played a little over thirty minutes, and his last full season, 2018, 2019, played thirty four minutes a game. I put the over under on twenty nine minutes for Clay starting in January. What do you take? Because they need him, right? We it's yeah. got to be you know it's got to be pretty high. Um, so what do you think?
4: What did Kevin Durant do this year per game? I think it'll be over thirty minutes. I don't think that they'll actually cut back the minutes. They just may cut back the games that he games. plays. Like Kevin Durant this year played 33 minutes per game. Yep. He only played like twenty games though. Or so, whatever thirty games or whatever it was. So um I think he'll I think it'll be over that minutes per game, but he may not be playing, you know, the second of yeah. a back to back and things like that. There
3: you like go. That. Uh, that's my next over-under. Games played. I put it at 65 next year. What do you say?
4: 82-game season, 65. I'm going to go – that's a good number. Uh, if he misses 20 games, that would be 62 games he plays, so I'll go yeah. under. Uh, yeah,
3: and the, these no- I'm agreeing with you, and these numbers terrify me. Um, let's look a little further. Career number. That's Okay. Uh,
4: 62 games next year, 60 games, even 55 games. If you can get, if you can get 50 or more games out of Klay Thompson next year, I think that's okay. As long as he's ready to go by the playoffs. That's all that matters.
3: I guess that makes sense. If he plays enough games to get them into the playoffs and then yeah. he's playing the full, the full slate of games. So that makes sense to me. Um, all right, here's my next one for you. 1.5 is the number. Over, under, how many more three-point contests will Klay Thompson win? Because I don't think I'm... he liked watching Steph win it. You know, I, I, I can yeah. see him wanting to get back out there. Under. All-star games,
4: 1.5. That's a good number. Uh,
3: I'm kind of upset you haven't said that on all of these. I mean, I feel like all these numbers have been good, and it's weird that you haven't complimented <laughs> me yet that it took this long.
4: I said it was a good number about the uh, game total. I guess um, that's true.
3: I want them for all of them. Uh,
4: okay, that's a good number. Um, <laughs> uh, oof, One and a half, man. I'll say over by it's it's a popularity contest with the All Star games. I'll say I'll say he makes like
3: you know what I'll say he makes like two or three more. I love that. Um, I agree with you. I don't think he's a starter again. You know the mm-hmm. the the next batch of superstars are quickly approaching the Luka Doncic of the world. But I think the coaches also appreciate him enough. You know um,
4: he's one of about- the most likable players in the league, and that's not just from a fan perspective. That's from like in the league, people love him.
3: Have you had a Clay moment? You know, so like a lot of beat writers when they first start uh, covering Mm -hmm. him will tell us like, yeah, you know, there's there's the myth of Clay. And then when I finally met him, it absolutely met the myth. And then they have some random story to accompany it. Have you had that Clay moment uh, over your career so far?
4: So as a beat writer, I have not covered Clay. He's been injured. So I've only been a beat writer for two years. He got injured in the 2019 finals Uh, before I was a beat writer, though. I covered the NBA at large and I was around the Warriors. Uh, quite a bit in that 2019 season specifically. And I remember one practice, it was a practice at the old, uh, when they used to practice at the Marriott in Oakland on the fifth floor there. And um, I remember him, it was kind of funny. I remember him like kind of uh, just kind of loosely making a comment about, just like a throwaway comment about how he used to uh, meditate in the mornings. (laughs) And this was before I was a beat writer, and I understood just the need to write about something every friggin' day. And like any kind of storyline was enough to get a headline. And that was, you know, I just remember standing there in the scrum, and every beat writer. Just being like, oh, tell me more about meditation and everything. And that became like the story of the day is that Clay meditates. And I kind of thought he was full of shit, honestly. <laughs> like, I was, and, and the way that Clay talked about it, he was kind of like, you know what? I'm not like super serious about this. It's just it's like something I do when I feel like it sometimes every once in a while. Everybody's like, Clay is a monk. And that was sort of like <laughs> the story of the day. It's like Clay Thompson is a meditation expert, and this is how he does it, and everybody should listen to him. And I feel like Clay didn't really know what he was talking about. You know, because he's talking about, like, oh, yeah, I like to meditate and just, like, visualize, and, like, sometimes I'll, like, listen to classical music. And was like, oh, classical music. Oh, Clay listens to classical music. What kind of classical music do you listen to, Clay? And he was he's like, like – Bob Marley. <laughs> no, he was just like, you know, Beethoven. <laughs> and, like, end of list. Like, that was the end of the list. like, no, if you actually listen to Beethoven, you would, like, have more than just – like the patron saint of classical music, you know, to list off. Like you'd be like, you know, Sebastian Bach, Beethoven. <laughs> like you would just start naming people like that like classical music people know. Like, oh, do you like the Baroque era clay? Like I really wanted to ask him about that. And then I wanted his response to be like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> you know, like so I just that was to me one of my that was one of my first clay moments was just watching that scrum. And then Clay Thompson Like playing off of them and just being game and not being like, you know, like Kevin Durant in that situation, I think. And look, I don't mean to put stuff on Kevin Durant like unsolicited, but I think he would have just been like, look, guys, it's not that serious. Can you stop asking me about this? And can we talk about basketball? Because that's, you know, Kevin Durant's favorite subject. And when you talk to him about basketball, he doesn't want to talk about it because you don't get it because you're not like cool enough. You don't play the game. (laughs) Um, But then uh, but Clay was like totally game. And I thought that was really endearing.
3: I forgot also to tell you. Right when this thing started, I actually really love classical music, and I only listen to Beethoven. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're very clearly off there. Uh, what what I, I, what
4: what's I, symphony though, Bram?
3: Uh, don't you worry about that. I mean, don't <laughs> test me, Wes. I thought we were a team here, man. Were you trying to make me look bad? I'm 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 barely holding on to my credibility as is without any of your stupid follow up questions and tangentially related at best. I guess it's uh, just illustrates my lack of credibility. But I attended a few practices at that Oakland spot as well. Um, and the difference between security there and Chase, like, <laughs> you know, like you, you go to Chase Center, you better have a copy of your birth certificate. Like you better have like everything <laughs> lined up, they're yes. look, you're going through a bunch of security measures, like you can't get in until you have been vetted a thousand mm-hmm. times. I remember going to the first one at uh, the Marriott and, it, you know, one I'm nervous anyways, I have no idea why they've let me in. So I'm kind of like that scene from Wayne's world where they're showing their credentials to anybody who could possibly, ask for you know, so I, like I'm going to like the people at the front desk, Hey, I'm here for a warrior's practice. They don't care at all. I'm talking to other people in the elevator. They don't care at all. Right. But I could have walked in there with like bombs strapped to my face and nobody would have cared. <laughs> even like a small iota. I kind of miss the Oakland spot.
4: Uh, that was a great spot. I don't miss the parking situation there. Um, Fair. I'll say that not that the parking situation at chase is any better. Um, uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember like, they just had like an iPad in front and they're like, did you sign in? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, cool.
3: Yeah. yeah. Wait, it didn't even have to be there. It's like, no, I signed in at the house. No problem. I got more right. over <laughs> under for you. Actually two more, one random one, random things client or clay will sign going forward. Like a toaster. I put it 0.5. Do you think we'll have another super weirdo signing session?
4: That's interesting because, like, what, what does it look like post-pandemic? I would say that, yes, we do get something. Uh, I do think that Clay Thompson, who has never been one to, you know, despite the anecdote I just told, he doesn't go out of his way to engage with media or people in general. Yep. Uh, but once he's sort of doing it, he's very game. Like, once he's in it, he's in it. But it's getting him into it. That is a little bit of a struggle. So I would say that there will be some fan events. I think post-pandemic, we, you know, when masks are off completely and everybody's, like, feeling good a year from now or whenever, uh, there will be a flood of uh, fan events and things like that in a way that we may have never seen before. Uh, it'll be Clay Thompson's first games at Chase Center. That is going to be an event uh, in and of itself. And so, yeah, I think we'll have a lot of fan events around clay. I think clay being two years away from it might be a little hungrier than he used to be to engage in those kinds of events and to be down to agree to do those kinds of events. And then once that happens, yeah, I think people will bring toasters, shoes, helmets, swimming gear, you know, he's got a whole thing now where he's like swimming in the in the bay now. Maybe people will bring their flippers to him to sign for good luck. Uh,
3: oh, I've got a new life goal. I'm gonna have Clay Thompson sign a classical violin that says "fuck West Goldberg." So, I mean, it's gonna happen, man. And I'm gonna pass it off to you yeah. and be so happy.
4: You know, Beethoven didn't play violin, right?
3: <laughs> it wasn't. No, I don't. And again, <laughs> stop busting out my lack of classical knowledge, man. I mean, Jesus Christ.
4: The violin wasn't even in most classical genres. I mean, it was, that's a very new age instrument.
3: I know. Yeah, so anyways, welcome back to Classical Music with Bram and Wes. We really appreciate you guys joining us. Last over under Wes, I put the number at point, no, I'm sorry, 1.5. How many titles will Clay win going forward?
4: I took a classical music class in college, by the way.
3: <laughs> it shows. It definitely <laughs> shows. Was it entitled What Instruments <laughs> Beethoven Didn't Play?
4: It's uh, how much full of shit is Bram?
3: well, yeah. oh, everyone's taking that course, including the people who are currently listening. What was your question? I, I put uh, gave you a number: one point five over under on titles. Clay will win going forward. Mm.
4: You asked me this the same. It's like the same thing you asked me about Steph a few weeks ago. I don't. You don't want to hear the answer to this. <laughs>
3: I mean, is that over? Because I didn't want to hear the answer.
4: <laughs> no, it's under. I don't, I don't, I, I think that at most Steph gets one more ring.
3: You're right. I didn't want to hear the answer to that. Let's get back to classical music.
4: <laughs> uh, should we open it up to some uh, questions from the listeners here? Or do you have any other things that you want to throw at me?
3: No, I, I got, um, I have some other Wiseman over unders, but let's save them. I'm, I'm sure we'll do this next week. I'll keep them in pocket. Let's hear from the listeners.
4: Chef Curry, what's up?
3: No doubt listening to classical music.
4: Chef Gray is too busy. What's up, Jack? What's going on, man?
5: Hey, Wes. Hey, Bram. Um. So one thing I wanted to – I should have two things really quickly. But the first part of my question is have you guys heard – I'm sure you guys heard the – um, you know, our – Bob Myers' uh, recent interview where he said that $400 million in tax is over – you know, well exceeding the limit that they're willing to spend next year, and I just did some mm. calculation. And if they let Kelly Oubre walk, and they use their two draft picks, and this is without using the mid-level exception and the veteran minimum, they're at three hundred ninety-six million dollars. <laughs> just letting Kelly Oubre walk, if they if they, for example, trade Kelly for Malcolm Brogdon which is crazy. But, Great suggestion. Um, it, it, it's it here's <laughs> crazy now. Even if you add a pick to that, right? They're going to be close to five hundred million dollars. <laughs> Like that's just just not happening Um, so I just wanted to know your take on that and my second part of the question is I loved your Paul George take earlier today and I think as long as Kawhi Leonard is still there I don't see any scenario where it's just a direct trade with the Golden State Warriors I think I see a three team trade possibility for example if Wizards want to trade Bradley Beal uh, to the Clippers or something like that then I see the Warriors being involved because the Wizards don't want to rebuild with Paul George. They'd rather rebuild with James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and our two first-round picks this year. So that three-team trade where you essentially swap one all-star from the Clippers with another all-star, as long as Kawhi Leonard is still there, I see that happening. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, th- that's my take on that.
4: Yeah, I think if, if Kawhi stays, Paul George isn't leaving. And what the, their issues are not Kawhi and Paul George. I think their issues are the rest of the roster, like, Vaka Zubak has been played off the floor in that series. Like they need other answers in the front court, uh, not in the back court or on the perimeter. But um, as far, I already forgot what the first thing was.
3: The they're into the luxury tax. Oh yeah. Would would Laker be willing to suck on a five hundred thousand or five hundred million dollar luxury tax mm. if it meant bringing in talent?
4: Yeah, I don't know how much to put into Bob Myers's answer to that question. Shout out to Patrick Murray at Forbes uh, who asked that question. It was a very good question. And I'm glad somebody asked that of Bob Myers. Just because he said no doesn't mean that he won't or that Joe Lakeup won't. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm sure that Bob Myers and Joe Lakeup have had conversations about it, but it's very, very early in the process to determine whether, and, uh, whether or not you'll pay that much. I think that if Bob Myers were to pay $400 million or put a $400 million bill on Joe Lakup's table for this year's team, yeah, that's a problem. Uh, But for next year's team, depending on how it looks, maybe Joe Lakup would be willing to eat that cost if that team has a chance to contend for a title. So as much as I like the question, and I think the answer was valuable, I don't know how much stock we could put into that answer at this point uh, before the season has really begun,
3: how could we know? Jack, you want to help? Go to ice capades. Go to concerts. Go to everything <laughs> you can go at Chase Center. I'm serious. One of you want me to tell you something that's mind boggling? With, with what 500 billion
5: uh, dollars, that's the price of the Warriors that Joe Lake purchased the team.
3: <laughs> no, of course, well, the, the, we we rewind this thing two three years ago, and the Warriors would have sucked right. on any tax bill. Why? Because they thought they had a black Amex card in Chase Center. They thought they were going to be pouring money in. What happened? COVID. They didn't. They right. couldn't open up the doors. They lost all of it. So I was serious. What I'm saying. You want to help them. One of the no, things that that's will. That's why I'm one. of the right, things that will help think, them honestly, decide the on how to realize- do that, big man, is is right. spending that money. The think- second point I'll give you is I agree with mm-hmm. Wes. Uh, if the Clips can hold on to Kawhi, they're not blowing anything up. They're not going to want to trade anywhere. What that suggests is they've had the success to believe that this pairing is going to go beyond the next couple of years but Kawhi's only under contract for them next year if they completely collapse right now they have every indication that, that he's leaving that's why i think they might be able to go after george
5: they might be willing to switch pg with another all-star potentially that's where i said a three-team trade with the warriors Ooh, makes right sense. yeah Ooh, Who do you think? That, that, DNA?
4: that's the thing that's the thing yeah. I, I don't know who the other super like even if Philadelphia bows out early and they decide to move on from Ben Simmons, I don't know if that's the answer for them. Like it's it's uh yeah. or if or if Philly wants I don't know, wants Paul George back in return. I don't know. Uh, let's get some other people though. Uh Ty, what's up, man? Ty? Let's go to Chris. Chris, what's up, man?
2: Yo, what's going on, Wes? How's it going? Brown. I love, love, love you guys. Love what you do. Uh quick what's question up, Chris uh so, outside of superstars, what are you guys what are who's the uh I know they they in the interview they talked a lot about veteran help what veterans are at the top of your list as far as uh who could really help us as you know as far as next mm-hmm. year I don't think i for one don't think we are as far away as You know, some people may believe I don't think, you know, I don't think we're that far away as far as contending goes.
3: I think you're right, Chris. And I'm going to add to the question and then serve it to Wes. Wes, one of the things I like about this Paul George suggestion or one of the things they can add is if it happens, mm-hmm. the Warriors will become a, the veteran destination again. They'll be in the market for the Paul Gus, or the Marcus Souls of the world, right? The buyout mm-hmm. market. Like these people oh, the song. To come oh, and play I'll, here. Song <laughs> well, but like I mean, you, you tell me, Wes, because Chris is right. If, if they enter back into that stratosphere and now people want to play with them. Are there names? Are there people who you yeah. think we could attract that suddenly make us, you know, a right. little bit higher on the Western Conference ladder?
4: Well, I would look at Marcus Paul. He's under contract next year for the Lakers, but I don't think he's happy with this situation. He's under contract for a little bit more than two million dollars a year. If Marcus Paul says, "Hey, Lakers, it was real, but I'm out of here, trade me," uh, or else I'm going to be a problem in the locker room, they'll trade him. Right, you know they've already got Andre Drummond, they've got Montrose Harrell, they don't need Marc Gasol in a in a real sense. So, yes. uh, you could basically get him for a future first, maybe a couple seconds, and then like whatever salary matching that you have to get done, which could in the Warriors' case could be like Michael Mulder and Eric Pascal, You know what I mean? Yeah. With a draft pick, uh, and that would be, I think, commensurate return for the Lakers for what they gave up for Marc Gasol, which was nothing. You know, and they been they didn't pay him anything. So. Uh, maybe that's an option. It was something I would monitor, but as far as free agents go, it's kind of an interesting situation. And if the Warriors do the Paul George trade, yes, of course, of course they would be a very, very attractive destination. But if they don't do the Paul George trade that we don't know exists right now, by the way, we should put put that out there. Um, I, the Warriors are in an interesting place, and, and in a much more competitive environment than they were when they were getting, you know, Nazar yeah. Pachulia's and the Andrew Bogets of the world, right? Like this is a uh, and the and the Boogie Cousins of the world. Like if you think about all of the coastal elite teams in the in the league, which is where these ring chasing veterans tend to go, right? Like nobody, even a ring chaser, is going to be like, "Sign me up, Utah." You know, like they're not dying to live in Salt Lake City. Uh, they'll take their chances with one of the LA teams, but it, like the LA teams are both contenders right now. Uh, Golden State, next year, if 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 you could sell a team on uh, or a free agent being like, hey, Clay's coming back, Steph's at an MVP level, Draymond's at a Defensive Player of the Year available, we're uh, we're going to be contenders next year. All right, cool. Let's say that they buy that. All right, the Knicks are in the playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets are a contender. They're the team that got Blake Griffin on the buyout market. The Miami Heat are in the playoffs right now. I don't know for how much longer because they're down 0-2 to the Bucks and they play again tonight, but they're in the playoffs. Uh, all of the Coastal Elite teams are in the playoffs except for the Warriors. And that is a much more competitive environment than it was when the Warriors were getting those ring-chasing vets, when the Clippers were were irrelevant when the Lakers were out of the playoffs before LeBron got there. When the Knicks were irrelevant for 30 years. Uh, when the Brooklyn Nets were irrelevant, nobody, and they didn't have any fans. And by the way, I don't think they have fans now. Uh, and when Miami was coming off of that big three run, like it's a very different environment for these coastal elite teams. And it's going to be a much more competitive for the Warriors. That said, of course, I have a list of free agents that I would go after if I were Bob Myers. And I think one of the things I would look at is a floor spacing big and a playmaking guard and a guard who can space the floor a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I actually asked Bob Myers about this during the exit interviews about just, like, specific team needs, and that's what he said. He said, floor spacing big, playmaking guards. I said, all right, cool. Uh, that narrows down the list. And veterans. So guys like Patty Mills, um, you know, I-, I think that he would be a good fit. A guy like Wayne Ellington who could space the floor would be an awesome fit. Somebody like Kelly Olynyk who's coming off of huge numbers with Houston, but it's kind of like good stats, bad team kind of thing. Uh, I don't know that the Rockets definitely necessarily want to bring him back. Uh, maybe he'd be out there for the mid-level exception. A guy like um, Mike Scott, a guy like Patrick Patterson. Like, these aren't names that people are going to do cartwheels over, but they're the
3: kinds of guys that I think the Warriors would be involved in. make differences, of course, and, and I'll agree and, and add a little bit, Chris. Maybe even add a little bit of optimism. So Wes is right, you know, we are not in the same place we were five years ago, three years ago, when everybody wanted to be here, point, stop, blank, we were the number one destination, right? So forgive me, I'm going to make a skiing analogy. I don't know about skiing, but I know less about skiing than classical music, so if I fuck it up, <laughs> but there are slalom courses, right? Those things where you got to go down and you go through those gates that are marked up by the flags. The warriors are at the top of that right now. There's a lot of things they need to nail. They need to get this Minnesota pick. we got to figure out what happens with our own draft pick. We see how the roster looks come, you know, going into the offseason. There's all of these windows we've got to get through. But if they do those right, we get through those gates, then the list that Wes is talking about is going to be a lot longer, right? We can get ourselves back up to that the, the top of the free agency destinations. If we don't, we screw some of them up. Minnesota wins the lottery. They get a top three pick. We come away with nothing, right? We end up with the 14th selection. They don't re-sign Ubre and use him as a trade pick. Then that list is going to be a lot smaller. So what happens in these next few months is going to dictate our watching experience for the next, like, 10 years, man. Um, and it's You don't think people try some... to
2: avoid the Nets? Oh, I like... hope so.
3: Why? Because there's already so many stars there?
2: I mean, because I mean, if you're a free agent, would you want to avoid the East if you couldn't if you couldn't yeah. get on the Nets? Like, yeah, sure. I, wh- why? Be I do have
5: a middle? quick. I do have a question though. How about Marcus Smart? I mean, I know the Celtics are in disarray right now. What if we orchestrate like a Kelly Oubre sign and trade with our 14th pick, for example? Or um, I hope it doesn't cost the Minnesota pick. Um, but what if you package those two together and you get Marcus Smart? Can you get a better playmaker than that? Really,
4: I think Marcus Smart would be a really good fit for the Warriors. I don't see Boston trading Marcus Smart, and I don't trade. And if they do, for whatever reason, trade Marcus Smart, I don't see them trading him to Golden State. I think the guy that, if the Celtics were going to move anybody, I think it would be Kemba Walker, if anything. And I don't think salary-wise, the Warriors just—I don't think they have what it takes to get a Kemba Walker deal done. It's just very, very difficult. Um, and I don't—he's I don't, not a very good fit for the Warriors. Um, uh, Marcus Smart, just like last year, it's kind of weird because you don't want to give up the Minnesota pick. But if you're Boston, like, what use do you have out of the 14th pick? You just had all right. these draft picks that sort of panned out, but not really. Like, You want to add another Aaron Naismith to your roster? Like, Aaron Naismith is fine. But if you're the Celtics, that's not getting you over the top the way that you want to. If you move Marcus Smart, like, the Celtics are very much in the same position that the Warriors are in. If you're right. moving your good players, you're doing it for a very clear upgrade to that roster, not for some sort of rebuild situation. Like We can give
5: them Tsunami Poppy. <laughs> I don't think that gets it done.
4: Call me crazy. Disney, no, it doesn't.
3: It doesn't. Wes, you entered this year Mr. Oubre. Um I mean, I came to you when I wanted Ubre optimism because I know you watched him. So after the year, where do you stand on him? Did he increase his trade value? Is he exactly where he was when he joined the Warriors? Like, how, how do you view where he stands in the league right now?
4: Exactly where he was before because what he did for the Warriors this year was exactly what he did with the Suns last year where he was uh, – productive in his minutes but then necessarily contribute to winning and once he went out of the lineup the team did way better and i don't know that like maybe that's just a time and place you know unfortunate thing for Ubre. uh i still like Ubrey as a player i've liked him since he came out of kansas i think he's got a ton of potential i think when he gets into the right spot it'll work but the warriors were not the right spot for him they don't play the way that he needs to play yeah. and i don't know that you're building a team around kelly Ubre. in fact i actually i take that back i do know if you're building around a team, a team around uh, a team around Kelly Oubre, and you're not. So uh, he needs to find himself in a better situation. Golden State wasn't that situation for him. Uh, I think that there's still – I think he could be a helpful player in the league. I don't think he can do it for the Warriors. So, um, Bram, I know you have a hard out, like, right now. Is that right. Yeah, I, so, I keep waiting for you to professionally uh, wrap it
3: up. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna you know, like. I, I keep waiting for the vocal okay. I'm like, and hey, that'll probably do it. So yeah, unfortunately, I. Didn't. And that'll do it. That'll hey. do it today hey. for a
4: classical music talk. If you want to check out Beethoven's <laughs> Sixth Symphony, you can find that on Spotify. Where you can Spotify also find or... Warriors Huddle and Locked On Warriors, uh, two podcasts. If you're Warriors fan, you should absolutely be listening to. Bram, this was fun, man always
3: we appreciate you guys go warriors go yeah. Dallas right and uh let's see what happens here. <laughs> thanks
4: guys thanks uh, guys jumping on Jack Chris everybody else who joined in on the conversation we will be doing this hopefully once a week um thanks for listening guys yep.